0: You know what, it literally sounds like a lie, but it's not, is it? Not tonight. You're not on the list.
1: Check it out. Hello, I'm Connor McLoone and welcome to the new podcast, You're Not on the List, where I interview and dive deep into the lives of those in the music industry. From artist managers to event organizers and promoters to label owners we take a look at the early life and careers of those in the scene. My guest this week has worked in the music industry for over 15 years. He's founder of Inside the Night Management Service and manager to some of the biggest acts in the drum and bass scene, including Turno, Boo, Disruptor and Kaz. He's co-founder of the new drum and bass label Gossip alongside Boo. It's Dale Gorton. During this episode, we discuss what Manchester or Gunchester was like in the early 2000s, where people would literally bring guns into the club and fire them off into the ceiling. We also take a look at what it takes to help to nurture a roster of artists and how the last 12 months has tested limits of some industry heads. Our guest this week is founder of Inside the Night Management Service, manages to some of the biggest acts in drum and bass, including Turno, Boo, Disruptor, Kaz. He's co-founder of the new drum and bass label, Gossip. It is Dale Gorton. Dale, how are you, mate?
0: I'm all right, Connor. How are you?
1: Very well, mate. Very, very well. It's wet and rainy, windy, back to that northern weather. Yeah, we it's, had that two weeks of sunshine. Not
0: the best, is it? I'm looking out the window now and it's looking all grey and foggy and, yeah, it's not the best. Not nice at all. There's leaves on the trees, though, so that looks all right. It's get, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there.
1: One thing that I want to start on straight away because it's in the news and it'll be in people's minds, you attended the trial test rave in Liverpool the other week with 3,000 people in a warehouse, no social distancing. How was it to be back in there after having a year off of events?
0: It was... Um, it was emotional. To know what? There was many, many emotions there. Uh, I was happy, I was sad. It was good to see people. Basically on the Friday night i seen it and I got serious, formal. I thought, I need to get there tomorrow. So I made a phone call, managed to get in there. So yeah, it was good. Managed to see everyone. It was good to see like the people all enjoying themselves all there no masks on in a crowd it was even better to see everyone working though as well backstage everyone working we've been took out of work for a year now we've had our lives snatched away from us so it was just good to see all the security all the sound engineers bar staff even the sniffer dogs i even was happy to see a sniffer dog (laughs) Right. No, <laughs> so I mean, it
1: literally was like no social distancing so just shoulders to shoulder It was just
0: like that it was it was it was normal it was as close to normal as I've been. It's the most positive I've been since the start of actually realizing we've actually got a green light at the end of all this um but no. It was good. It was nice, like I said. Not been there for a year. I actually felt a bit weird going there. I kind of like got a bit of anxiety. Like felt a bit like... Remember when you used to work and you used to get like a Friday feeling and you get like mad anxious in your stomach? Yeah. I had that feeling like for about an hour before I got there. But then when I got in there, it was just like walking through the gates of heaven. Obviously, I experienced it a bit different. I didn't really go into the crowd. Um, I, had a little, I had a little wander around, but I didn't. Obviously, I didn't get involved. I didn't um, have a drink. I weren't drinking. So I just pretty much stayed back, saying as soon as I got there, i seen someone that I knew. So it was like pretty much, it was just like a big welcome back, really, and just going to see everyone. Like like I say, all the security, which is our security team that were there, Titan Security, one of the best ones about. Um, and yeah, like I say, a big Sir circus, which is Yusuf from Rich, getting on with it, working to the restrictions, breaking the backs to do everything they can to get this to happen. So yeah i had massive, massive shouts to everyone involved in it. It was it was fantastic. It really, really was. It was good to see. Anyway, but it was good that the press were behind it and it was good that obviously it worked well apparently. We've had the results back, I don't think. But um
1: So that's basically what they're gonna do, isn't it? Like just test the results and see if anybody contracts coronavirus from the event.
0: Yeah, they're open. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of it because I weren't involved. I were involved with in any logistics or any of the programming or anything, so I don't know the ins and outs of it. But I think they're relying on um, the punters to send a test afterwards.
1: Fantastic, mate. Yeah, that's one of the first steps, isn't it, onto the road of recovery when we get to June twenty-first. And there's a little bit of background into you, Dale, founder of the Inside the Night Management Service. So there's a couple yep. of and based people there that we mentioned previously: Turno, Boo, Disruptor, Kaz, Harrybo. So you said previously, before we started the call, that your background isn't just drum and bass. You've got experience in running Indian rock nights as well. Yeah. So if we were to take it all the way back to the start, what were your first earliest experiences in music?
0: Well, my experience with my music was 14, 15, when um, Oasis was just about... I went, Well, Oasis weren't my first gig, I'll tell you the truth. Prodigy was my first gig. Yeah? Yeah. Was it was at the GMEX, what's now Manchester Central, is it? Yeah. I don't really put shows on anymore in mean, there, but it's a fucking fantastic venue. Yeah. I love the place. Uh, but yeah, I think we, I went to much prodigy, and then I got kind of like a little bit of a little bit of hunger for it, and then a couple of weeks later, I think Oasis were on there for the B and
1: Yeah, that's the one.
0: Um, yeah, it was. It was the one with the, the uh, phone box on the on the stage and the big clock, and that I remember it. I was only about thirteen, fourteen. And so, so this yeah, would have yeah, sort of yeah, been yes. what,
1: around 95, 94?
0: 95, 96, I'd say. Might even be 97, 98. I'd have to have a look. Can't really remember. Um, but yeah. So yeah, and then I got into, I was more into like the, the dance side of things. Everyone in school was into like drum and bass. And I remember like sitting in bedrooms listening to hysteria. Um, hysteria packs, And then I kind of like f- Not fell out of it But went and done else Done something else Didn't really get involved in music And then I think it was around 2006 2007 it was My um, mate had a band called Twisted Wheel Rock and roll band From Manchester From Oldham, And then It really really was good They got signed by I think they got signed by Columbia Records Straight away And went on tour with Oasis So We went on tour with Oasis with them And then Yeah did that Opened a club night in Manchester called Rent a Crowd because we was like a group of people that went round from Manchester and everyone would kind of like loved us. So I yeah, set up a weird club night in um, Manchester in Sound Control and like, what's the one facing Sound Control? It was Zombie Shack. What was it called before Zombie Shack? Oh, can't remember. It was called something else before Zombie Shack. So we, we did nights in there in Sound Control, uh, loads of rock and roll nights, doing like all up and coming bands and stuff, but we could never take it any further. And right. um, then unsigned bands are just up and coming. I got to a certain level and you just got to talk by the major labels or the major right. the major brands. So I give that up and then, yeah, come back into like music about 2014, 15 and started with it.
1: So what was it that made you transition from bands and rock to coming back into electronic music in around 2014?
0: Yeah, I was always, I was never really a mad, mad like, Mad indie fan. I never really was. Like every time I went to the festivals, I was always that person that dragged someone to go and watch Shy Effects in the fucking German based tent. Or, yeah, I'll go and watch Randall in some weird little dungeon somewhere. And like, yeah, i was just like, I was, that was always my roots. But being from Manchester, the scene in Manchester is obviously the big, mad, the, the Madchester like like, scene with like, obviously the Stone Roses, the Smiths, um, obviously Oasis and stuff. So, yeah, so it was kind of like part and parcel. Of, Coming from Manchester, the people that I was with kind of enjoyed doing it. Um, I was good at putting on the nights; like I did well. Didn't really make loads of money out of it because we just spent all the money the next day on a bender. But um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it, but I could never really take it any further. So I just thought it's pointless. I'm never gonna be able to like make a full time like yeah, leave my job and make enough to be able to put a roof over me and feed my kids. And there was five of us involved in it. So it was like, do you know what? I just can't be asked anymore. I'm wasting my time with it. So I just went off, went to festivals, just started being a punter and then um I've always knew Wilf, knew of him anyway, while well, being about and obviously in the German bass scene he's always put the best German bass nights on in Manchester. So I've always been a punter going to his nights so I've always been on his guest list. And then I just see him at one of his festivals and then we just got a relationship and then started like helping him out working driving people about working the festivals with him and there we are now What's so Wilf mean?
1: there is a promoter and a festival organiser I believe isn't he he runs Fucking Metropolis
0: f- f- he always got his, well, Metropolis is his that's what he started off with obviously I'm not going to go too much into it but he's got his fingers and a lot of pies in the drum and bass scenes um, one of the biggest promoters he helps everyone he helps a lot of other promoters like Chris. with they, they worried about Enra he's just it's hard it's, it's it's an hard one to explain about Wilf because he's like he's involved in so much but I don't know exactly what his involvement is in it so I don't want to give too like, say too much about it but yeah he started like he said he's the big, he's definitely the biggest promoter in Manchester one of the biggest ones in the UK Um, he does the festivals Lost and Found Hideout um, so I used to go to them festivals that's how we just gained a relationship from there. and then it's obviously it's all about trust it's all about thinking you must trust me and he'd let me work underneath him and I don't really speak to him that much anymore. I'll tell you the truth. He just leaves me to it. I just crack on doing what we're doing. He's doing what he's doing with the festivals, trying his hardest. And I mean, when I say trying his hardest, he's fucking trying his hardest to get these festivals all line this summer. He's got quite a lot of um, international festivals in like Croatia and Portugal, other places. So yeah, I'm trying to stay out of his way. While he, gets, while he gets all that over the line.
1: So you link up with Wilf there and he's introduced you to certain events. How do you then transition into artist management?
0: Kind of fell into it. We had Boo, obviously being from Manchester. He was um, obviously being looked after by Wilf, but just needed a little bit more, like a little bit more attention that Wilf couldn't give. So me and my business partner, David, who involved in quite a lot in the L scene, just thought, oh, fuck it. You know I mean, we'll do it. We've got a bit. Why can't why can't we succeed with this with what we've got around us? We're lucky. We've got promotion companies next to us. What will What run? So obviously, we're not just gonna pick someone up and just. They've, they've got to work. You know what I mean? They've got to show us that they're worth being able to work around the people that the way you can't just, like, come in and just, like, work am the daily to got on that line-up, or I know Will Wilson put the top of that line-up. It's not like that at all. I mean, you've got to literally, you've got to have, like, a bit of talent behind you and obviously show that you want it. And with Boo, his work rate is ridiculous. It's like, and with the right people around him doing the right things at the right time, then we could, we thought we could do what we've done. Obviously, we've not stopped working, do you know what I mean? But we've not really been able to do much with with no shows, you know what I mean, we've got them out in New Zealand at the minute. We've got three out in New Zealand. We've got Turno, Boo, and Ben out in New Zealand at the minute. Well, that's all we've had. Apart from this, apart from the social distance shows, The social distance shows as management, we're not going to take a, we're not going to take a fee and like take a percentage out of the fees that we were getting. So I mean, it's like we not getting good enough fees to, for us to be able to take a percentage. So we didn't. We just let them crack on with it themselves. So, so as management, we've not. We haven't earned a penny since pretty much last March.
1: Artist management can mean different things depending on who the artist is or how big their career is. I spoke to Dale about what his role looks like with artists. So just to touch on management, what would sort of be like the day-to-day or week-to-week uh, things that you'd be doing with these guys?
0: I see. Everyone's everyone's different. I don't really know how other, manager, our, our other managers work. Like We, we do our... We, Everyone's different. I have like with Boo. I could not I could not speak to Boo for two weeks. But Boo's Boo trusts us. So he don't really, so he knows it works because he's been there from this from the from day dot. Do you know what I mean he knows it works. He can literally get in the car with me on a Friday and not have a clue where he's going. Literally like where we're where we're going. It's like, well, we're going to Leeds tonight, Boo. He's like, All right. Do you know what I mean? But then with like Kaz and like Kieran, they want to know everything. Like they want to know where they are, what they're doing. What's what's happening there, what's happening there. You know what I mean so it's different different with them all. But for me on a Monday, if again, if we was in the real world and we was we had shows and stuff, on a Monday we'd go over like the weekend, like go over the taking with like the, the door, what Was how many's been sold on the door, if it was a Endline show for Boo. Um, like obviously go over the shows, we see what the shows have been like, get, like go over all the feedback and that of the shows. Make sure everything's been alright, see what we need to do for the next time, which to play there or whatever. With like the light of Kaz. Kaz is like, she's needs help producing, whereas Boo doesn't, Disruptor doesn't, they need help sorting the back office, the kind of back office thing out. So we start, we we kinda of say to the artists that all we want them to do is make music and turn up to shows. Everything else we everything else we've got covered. So that's that's so accounts anything to do with the finances as long as they trust us which which they do we've got no issues and we ask them what their dream is that's what our job is to help them achieve their dream if we kind of we're not doing we're not we're not in it for the money what i mean any management that's in it for the money and not in it for the right thing you've got to actually care about the people that you're working with care about the client that you're working with it's like us, we're one big family we really, really are. We're a massive, massive family. We all work together closely. Like I speak to, I speak to most of my artists every day, pretty much every day. I speak to, I don't speak to Boo every day. Um, but that's just Boo. Don't think no one speaks to Boo every day. Boo doesn't even answer his phone.
1: So take for example someone like Boo or Kaz. Would you be linking with them in the week? Like, okay, right, we've got your travel sorted and we've got your riders sorted, and this is where you need to be at this time type thing.
0: So yeah, we sort the flights, we sort the, the logistics side of things out like in the week when we normally do that like the Wednesday, Thursday before the weekend, weekends of shows or a couple of days I've got like an advanced system on, this, on the computer on the overture we've got a system that sets it all up we just put all the dates in so hotels, guest lists, anything that you need we sort all that out just takes all the stress away from the artist because you don't want the artist stressing like oh put fucking Paul in the guest list and he's not on the air do you know what I mean don't need that stress it's like and they also they don't need the stress of the promoters one thing that really really does annoy me is when promoters go to artists after they spoken to the management like, we're there to take that away from them right it's like at the minute everyone's myvering to get access to everybody's facebook because everyone's all the promoters are wanting to outdo each other to obviously announce the shows first but i mean so i can imagine if like some of the art some of the artists who are dealing with that um if they were dealing with that alone it would take multiple 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 hours out of the day i'm talking it, it, i'm talking probably eight hours a week i spend fucking about with giving access to facebook for promoters really i've got to do it i don't mate, it's chaos and facebook's changing all the time yeah facebook's literally changing all the time so it can take me 20 minutes to figure out how to do it basically we try and do it without causing an argument do you know what i mean it, it gets it gets started, it gets sorted out as like as easily as possible without like without causing too much stress to each other and trying without trying to avoid all the egos and stuff that's the last thing you want is people walking around with egos
1: which to be fair i mean like there are many egos in the music scene Men- in the
0: music scene in the music scene there is yeah um i see it quite a lot in different in different genres but i think in the dnb scene it's, i don't think there's that many egos there's a few I don't think there's there's that manner. I think it's nice and chilled at b scene actually.
1: Do you think that's just coming from like a, a Manchester's perspective, or do you think sort of nationwide across the whole world that the the it's nice and chilled at the moment in the drum and bass scene?
0: No, I think it's chill it's changed. It's, spanned, it's I wouldn't say it's spanned it. It's said, but it's not what it was in the late nineties, early two thousands when it was guns in the air and all that bollocks. I, mean, I was going to
1: touch on this Yeah Because there's not really Been anyone that I've been Able to speak about to it Too much or too That would know too much About it to be honest <laughs> Like that Gunchester vibe Or like the Gunchester scene <laughs> That was there in the uh, Late 90s Sort of early 2000s And there'll be people Who listen I to this That have right no idea about what it What
0: kind of shit
1: But there are sort of uh, Yeah There was sort of Like a big In drum and bass And I don't know Whether it happened Up and down the country Or other nights I think it
0: did happen Up and down the country Birmingham was, was Known for it Uh Manchester was pretty pretty known for it. It was kind of like I weren't really I was a punter, I didn't really know anyone then, so I was like it was all gang related. Yeah. It was pretty much like it was just all gang related. So you'd have so you'd have like the, the moss sides and the long moss side fighting with each other, you'd have the long side lot, then you'd get the Birmingham lot coming down. So you'd have like obviously with who was it? It was from Birmingham, I think, like obviously Spy, was it Spider on Baseman? They had their gangs coming down. It used to be trigger bassman and spider, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was different. It was uh, so
1: people would literally bring glands to people, the club, you know, like, and rather than shouting for way, the reload, if, like
0: if the, if the tune dropped, and like when you blowing, you know people shout "fuck off now," and you go "fuck off." <laughs> yes, people used to literally let shots off into the ceiling,
1: which sounds far fetched. And nowadays, in comparison to standards now, I've had it's, dust
0: literally. Like I've put my head up, and I just had dust all over my head.
1: Which sounds like an absolute madness and it sounds like it's a lie, but it's not, is it? There's sets recorded and you can hear in recordings and hear like mate, stories. I
0: am, I will swear on my daughter's life and my grandmother's grave that multiple gunshots used to go in the air.
1: Rather than like shouting for the reload or rather yeah. than pulling for the reload. Yeah,
0: obviously not off stage. You'll be like a DJ going bang, bang, bang. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. But no, mate, obviously the crowd is... So, Eo,
1: what's the energy like in the club when you know that people are carrying guns around there? It's
0: moody, mate. It was, it was, it was. A, it was can you moodier. relax or like
1: enjoy an event when you know someone you next to you is because, carrying?
0: You can because you kind of you're in that environment all the time. So back in the day, that's what Manchester was like. If you weren't, if you was from an, if you was from like a council estate in Manchester, you was either involved in drugs and violence, or you didn't go out. You know what I mean? That's literally like the way it was. If you went to raves and stuff like that, like you knew people or you knew off people, so you, you you knew if you were safe, you knew where to go to stand out of the way. It's like, you used to hear them all, like, oh, the MCs, like, back to the walls crew. That's what I mean. So you used to have the back to the walls because you didn't know we were coming behind you. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, yeah, it, well, it's put i will never say... Uh, I, I wouldn't say I was scared, but it was a scary environment. It was... Yeah, it was
1: it was nuts yeah I mean like obviously I've never gone into a rave or experienced a rave and thought oh he's carrying a gun he's carrying a gun I just wouldn't know what the energy would be like
0: this day and age yeah this day and age it's never going to happen obviously because of the way that the the searches and the stuff like that so how
1: did it transition out like how did
0: it fade um, out I don't know because I kind of like went missing I went and like started doing other things I went kind of out of I didn't go out in the town centre for the night out for about six or seven years I went doing other things like when I got a job, found a different group of mates and that. then I come back into the music scene about 2007 but I'm not too sure what rings a bell to me is, but I don't know how true this is so don't take it, just take it with a pinch of salt but I think it was something to do with the baseline crowd and I think it was Jamie, not Jamie Duggan but Jamie Duggan's nights and the baseline crowd People like niche. Into, that niche thing coming into Manchester. I don't think the police liked it or I don't think the council or whoever deals with the nighttime stuff then back in the day and they just kind of like just stopped it and I'm sure for about four or five years there was literally just no drum and bass and no bass line nights in Manchester
1: Really? That's
0: mad Yeah I'm sure I, I don't take my word but I'm sure like there was the like there was the odd one I think Music Box obviously put the, mm. the odd one on but just disappeared and then when it come back it come back as a total total different vibe I never got hurt I never got like I never had no reason to fear for my life in there it was just like it was weird. Like I can't explain I would I never like know the, the theory behind it. I don't I don't know like how they got the guns into the clubs. I d I don't know. But yeah, it was it was weird. But since the transition, like I said, uh, it's in a very, very good place at the minute, my base. It's one of the best places. As a
1: manager now of people who would play at D&B nights, if you knew, and it might be difficult to put yourself in this hypothetical position, if you knew your artist was going to an event back in like 99 and early 2000s and there were gang members in there carrying guns, I'd assume that you'd be like, nah, I don't want my roster playing on an event that's got that in there.
0: Yeah, of course, but I don't even think. German-based artists that managers back in the day? Then I don't think it was that much of a, of a big scene for him to to actually have a manager. But I get if he, if I was, I, I would never send my artist into something where I thought they'd fear for a If he wanted to go for it, and he and he said, yeah, hey, fuck it, I'm going." I would "If crack on, do you know what I mean?" But if he come to me and said said no, but again, we've got a secure, we've got a security team around us who are there for that job, so. I can even just follow security and just say, look, go and get them, to, uh, them two animals there. They'll look after you. you know what I mean? So it's, it's just, it is what it is. And, and this security team at work with us, like I say, they are the, the best security I've ever worked with. Like, they're so disciplined at what they do, but they're so fucking good at the job. Really, really. So, yeah, that's, that's how I go about it now. I just have to send security, I'd have to send security with them. But that's not gonna, I don't think, I think we're past 10 days now. I really, really do. Really, I really not I can't remember the last time i, I seen a fight at a drum and bass party, to tell you the truth. And I go to a lot, I go to three or four a night when I'm out on the road, and I don't think I've seen a fight for years a drum and bass party. It just shows how everyone's adapted and how the world's adapted and how everyone's just totally, totally changed and how much the world's different now from what it was, what, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Like even the way you speak, even the way you talk these days, you've just, everything's changed, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean, I've listened back to a couple of the drummer bass sets recently, even ones from like 2012. Not naming any of the MSEs, but with, the, like, with current cancel culture, their bars and lyrics would get absolutely slaughtered.
0: Oh, def- babe, definitely, definitely. I yeah, I used to go with, I used to go to the football a lot, and. Like, some of the stuff, some of the stuff that used to get chanted, some of the stuff, like, what I said, it's like you just wouldn't get away with that these days. It's just, like, there's no way you'd you, you get away with it. Like, the world's, like, totally, totally changed. you got to think about it before you do anything. Now, especially with the social media presence, everything's under, like, if you seem like everything's under observation, you're always, you're always being watched. One slight wrong move, one little, even just like a typo, could fucking ruin your career.
1: As management, do you ever have sort of like much input with your artist's social media where you're having to be like, "Ah, don't post that or don't say that or actually, can you you know what, can you delete that?
0: Um, I've not done. um, Not with any of mine anyway. Um, I've not. Um, I do get like... I would do, I definitely I, I'm not, I not. definitely would do if I thought that it was going to offend someone or it was going to... I definitely would say to them, look, you need to take that down. Like, what manager, what right manager wouldn't, right? Because you think it's going to affect the artist. But again, I think all man have got their head screwed on. I, I think all man know, I know what they want and like, I've never had to tell them, don't do this, don't do that. They all, they're all nice people, like, so they've got nothing, like, I don't think they've got anything to worry about where if they did put anything up...
1: Lockdown meant that artists and DJs were soon looking for new creative ways to produce content that didn't look like everybody else's. I spoke to Dale about what he had seen during lockdown.
0: I love how creative everyone's become. Um, I do. I think it's like the way that, pe- the way that people um, have changed things up a little bit. We did something last year with um, Ben. So this Disruptor, is uh, Ben Snow
1: and Disruptor, and- who are both drummer-based DJs, just, just to fill people and, and-,
0: and Harry Bob. So we did a live stream and there was doing. Ben was doing a live stream so a series where he was doing one a week and didn't want any guests on it. So I thought to myself, can we not do it back to back? I was like, how are we going to do this? Like live live stream it out. I was thinking, we, we can't do this. But we a thought, we can. So Ben went, I think we can. So he had to blend, he had to do his first, he had to do his first mix so his first two, two or three tunes. Yeah. So he did that and then blended into whatever, recorded it, sent it to Kieran. Kieran then played that blended into that one it was a, it was a it was two of them throwing two of them throwing he ended up banging it on and then we sent the audio to harry but and it worked perfect but then we was thinking oh we're going to actually like genuinely make people think it's live and then disruptor just went i've got an idea so we put in the top corner when harry was i seeing he blanked it out so it looked like it had gone offline he put connecting, disconnected 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 so everyone's heads online was like what the fuck how have these done this how the fuck have these kids done this? Like, we looked, literally looked like they were doing a back-to-back in different rooms from different people, and it looked like we connected it all together. And Ari in the car, just because it said, like, disconnected. And I was thinking, the creative little cunt. And I never thought, and I never thought of that. These kids today.
1: So that's sort of how uh, how people got creative over the last 12 months during corona. But sort of how did the last 12 months affect you as a manager?
0: As a manager, mate, I'm fine, but I... <sighs> Obviously, I've lost a lot. Of, we've lost a lot of money, lost a lot of work. But I know what's coming when we get out of this. You know I mean, I know what we've got, I know what we've got lined up. So I've got a goal, I've got a vision, and nothing's stopping it. If fucking, if I've got to sit here for two years in my chair rocking, I'll sit here for two years. But when I get out of here, it's on. Do you know what I mean? It's literally. But as me artists, it's been fucking hard. It's been so so hard for them. They've all struggled in their own little ways. As much as Boo has come through this. Flying and there's like come, like, literally, literally, like, raised his game majorly, majorly. He struggled, literally, like, he's like, This is, I said to him at the start, it's made for you. Literally, you just love sitting in your studio anyway. Some DMB, this is a DMB producer's dream being locked away and not being able to go out, and you could just literally make music. But it's not that; it's literally having your life snatched away from you. And like, look at the, look at the highs that everyone was on. Not just, not just my lot, like all my lot were were the a high. Like, Kaz was flying. Kaz had gone from. I took Kaz on in like October, November, two thousand and nineteen. She was getting fifty quid, hundred quid. And then fucking February, she was flying out to New Zealand. On glass, she was on Glastonbury. She was on like. Well, it, Boontown had not come in. But Boontown had the world to come in. She was on all the big festivals. Like, there was talk of it. We were going to push for part life, we were going to warehouse projects. This, that. When you say that to a girl, you promise a girl who's young, and, and I've promised that, and then five months down the line, she's literally everything that I've said she's it She smashed all the goals literally what I wanted to do this what I wanted to do that she'd done it I asked her what did she want from me she said I want to do this or what I want to go and support my main thing is she wanted to go and play with Voltage went, right alright two weeks later she was playing with Voltage things like that are hard for us as management that's not even hard for us do what I mean that's a piece of piss uh, just things like that and then New Zealand sent her to New Zealand which was never which was hard for us what she had to go through out there being in a global pandemic and then when she got back just had everything suck away from her. You know what I mean. So you can imagine, like she's all right though. She's fine. She was bad last year. She was a bit down, a bit a bit like for. Well, I just said to her, "Look, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going. This is where we're going to be. Just learn how to make music, and that's what she's done. And she's going to come out of this now, probably with an EP. Ready to go. And she was. Uh, she's. She's good. She's good. Uh, but there's other these other ones, like. Uh, not nothing to do with me but these other artists who have like literally just not done a thing I right, have give up give up literally give up You don't want to do nothing they totally fell out of love with the scene um, we got put in the bin we literally anybody in the anybody in the events industry or the hospitality industry have pretty much been put in the bin we bent over backwards last summer to, to meet all these restrictions bent over backwards I know clubs spent thousands to, to try and obviously get these flow systems and stuff like that we put so many events in the diary because we didn't get told that we were going to be off for 15, 16 months we got told we were back in three weeks we got told we were back in July we got told we were back in September so all these promoters that have literally just spent the last 12 months working the bollocks off trying to create this first event for when we get back because that's what it's got all about it's all about that first event when we're back and everyone's and how many first events have been set up in the past twelve months? What well, have not happened? I probably over fifth Probably I've probably dealt with over fifty that have just been cancelled. It's like it's come to the point now where I'm saying to artists, I'm saying to promoters, don't even bother sending a deposit unless they're big level, and don't even i going the contract. It because part was doing the paperwork. If you trust us, then it'll happen. Does that you know I mean and when, when the green light comes through, we'll? we'll start the fucking contracts out and we'll start the, the deposits out but at the minute there's just no I think not at the minute there's a bit of a green light at the end tell a lie but until three or four weeks ago no one knew what was going on
1: like you were saying corona there has uh, impacted everyone and it's everyone's had a different experience of it how has um How's it impacted your mental health mate
0: <sighs> I'm do you know what I'm fine um the thing that's been keeping me saying is everybody else's head's falling off. Which is don't know if that's horrible of me saying. No, I have, I've dealt with a lot of shit over the over the past um over the past year. But none of them being any of my artists, to tell you the truth. Um it's just been other people. It's like I've been through a lot in my life what I'm never gonna tell anybody what happened in my private life, my private life but what I've I've been through is fucking ridiculous, like, and I've dealt, learned how to deal with depression. Uh, I won't call it depression. I just learn to, I just call it demons in my head, and learn how to deal with Um uh, So my head's in a good, very, very good place. No matter what happens, no matter how much I lose, no matter how bad it gets, I know I will always be alright because I know how to deal with it. I go and talk to someone. I go and talk to my people. Let people know. I don't sit in bed all day, fucking letting the letting the demons bite away at me. I get up and I stay active. But a lot of these people are new to this and one thing the hardest fight of my life was learning how to control my own head. But once you learn how to control your own head when you're in that situation, when you've got them beams in your head, then I don't think there's anything that can get in your way. I have I have been through I have been through a lot. So I'm trying to like say that and put my experiences out to people and just say it will come good. There's like he is light like, at the end of the tunnel. Do you know what I mean? There is. There's no reason for this. Go and talk to people. Most of this depression and most of this light like, is because people don't talk. Like men feel the need, like because they've got to be dead macho and You've got to be dead hard. It's like if I go to my mum and tell them I was crying last night because my girlfriend left me, he's gonna laugh at me. Well, he's not your fucking mate, then is he? So you know I mean, if he's gonna laugh at you because you're just loving like, your fucking person that you love and I'm sorry it's not your friend so go and find someone that's actually going to sit there and going to give you the puddle and make you feel better about yourself and actually help you help you get over it do you know what I mean it's not about being macho it's not about being massive it's about looking out for people and making sure like I said there's enough in this world for everybody to, so to, to live a good, look, a good good healthy life <laughs>
1: And I mean, just to demonstrate how much energy you guys put in and how much of a family you all are, the Drum and Bass Awards last month, you guys absolutely cleaned up.
0: Uh, uh, do you know what, right?
1: And I mean, what have we got in there? We've got uh, Best Track, Boo, Boo and got, Trigger. I don't
0: even know. What did you get? Boo got Best Best
1: Trigger. I can tell you because I've, I've got it on, yeah. uh, right here. So we've got Boo and Trigger, Best Track, Best Breakthrough DJ, Disruptor, Best Breakthrough MC, Harry Bow. Best producer, boo. So that is four awards from the Drum and Bass Awards 2021.
0: But what pissed me off, Kaz didn't get in. Kaz deserved to at least be in the fucking summit. But we move. But no, I don't really believe in the award, to say the truth. I feel like everybody deserves their own award in their own own way. But I mean, for actually waking up in the morning and actually still breathing,
1: yeah, man. I mean, it's been a difficult year for absolutely everyone. Like we said, people have had to deal with it in their own way. Some people have de- dealt with it harder than, than others, unfortunately. But for everyone to make it through to now is uh, is definitely something.
0: Yeah, give it, everyone deserves a pat on the back from the last however long it's been since last March. And like I said, if you're still here and you're still working and you're still trying to obviously make it in this world and you've not threw the fucking towel in yet or... And just, just respect, man, because there's plenty of times over this past 12 months where I've, I've wanted to throw the towel in myself, man. Really, really have.
1: Was there any sort of, or was there ever a situation, not even necessarily in the last 12 months, but where you thought, you know what, music isn't actually, for me, the industry in this scene? Yeah,
0: Oh, countless times, mate. Countless times. It's hard, man. The music industry is not. Do you know what? From the outside, it it looks fucking fantastic, doesn't it? It's this big scene. Everyone's happy making music, living a life of Riley. Like, fucking you try driving down the motorway for fifteen hours. Like do you know what I mean? It's fucking going from gig to gig. I've got like an hour and 20 minutes to do a fucking two and a half hour journey. Do you know what I mean? And like all the arguments that happen. Like it's far from what it looks, do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not that rosy job. It's not that, it, obviously it's fantastic. We get to see things that people only dream to see. So that's the reward that we get for the shit that we have to deal with to to get there, to get you know what I mean? So it's countless times, mate, like, I've literally walked out service stations and thought, I can't be asked. I'm just gonna turn around and go home. You know what I mean? This ain't for me. And then 10 minutes later, I'm all right. When Sound Control Sound Control shut, it was like end of an era for me because I literally much like I didn't own the place, but I walked around the gaff like I owned the place and I could do what the fuck I wanted in there when I wanted and how I wanted. Big ups to Garrett for for letting me for letting me do that. But that was a time when I thought like I'm never going to work in music again now because Sound Control is shut.
1: And what was it that changed your perspective on that and made you think you know what I am going to carry on and continue well, doing this?
0: Yeah, I've got a lot to thank. A would like to thank him for. Obviously, like I said, I don't really speak to him much anymore. It leads me to, to do my But when I when I met Wilf and I changed my, my outlook on life and I surrounded myself with surrounded myself with people like good people who've got different visions of the people that I used to surround myself with. That's saying didn't you surround yourself with people you aspire to be. <laughs> so that's where I am now, and I've got a lot to fancy. I got nothing to say, Wilf, do you know what, David, my business partner, he's the one that's helped me. He's like the brains behind it. He's pretty much Wilf." Oh yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for if it weren't for Wilf, and it weren't for David.
1: What do you class as a uh, as a win nowadays, mate?
0: A win. Waking up. Honestly, mate, just like. Getting fresh air, literally waking up, being able to being able to go out, um, seeing the kids. Obviously uh, another thing that you could class you could class as a win is like having the people around you that you stuck deep, that you've had round with you the start of the lockdown, that, that everyone's still here. I'm not literally like my team's not got any smaller. It's only got bigger and better. It's not like so I class that as a bit of a win as well, that we've not like, gone backwards, we've, we've moved forwards, but I think everybody with us has gone the right way. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you know, on the list, all right, all right.